Hello and welcome to The Great Escape Pod, the podcast that takes a deep delve into the lives of expats. I'm your host, Mark, and as always, I'm joined by my expat pals, Owen and Rye. Hey. 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 <laughs> another week and another method of recording the podcast. Once again, we're following our government guidelines and recording from our separate homes. How are we all hanging in there, chaps? We're we're hanging in there. I am officially fairly bored during the daytime because my work has slowed down to um, quite, you know, a, a, almost a full stop point. Um, you know, employment looking sketchy. So if anyone out there has any, you know, potential jobs down the line, holler. Uh, but yeah, no, apart from that, keeping my chin up, uh, eating 10 times more than I normally would. Over to you, Ryan. Um, I'm well, I'm kind of, I'm out of quarantine now because my symptoms have stopped. I've stopped the 14 days. Um, so I've kind of gone back into work. So it's got a bit busier for me and I've got a bit more routine back. So I'm actually on the up, to be honest with you. So we're, uh, we're on different paths there, Owen. What about I'm you, Mark? Work though, right? Because you're still, you're still like, isn't there a lockdown? Like, you shouldn't be a, in a work, should you? Or should you? Is that fine? I don't we know. are we're classed as an essential service, which I found out yesterday. Oh, um, nice. And at the moment, we are actually we're told as an office to work from home, but that we're allowed to go into the office if needs be, and the building allows us. And like, I had to go in yesterday just to sort stuff out. Yeah, and I got so more. The than benefit yesterday. of any new listeners, right? Can you? Touch touches up on what your essential job is in Canada. Uh, well, I, I work in accountancy. Uh, I'm an accounting technician um, because we deal with people's um, registered retirement plans um, and investments in that is class of essential service, apparently. Um, essentially helping with people's pensions would be the best way to put it for British listeners back there, but RSPs and uh, RIFs and LIFTs. Um, so that's why it's essential. But honestly, like just going into the office and just breaking up my day, so to speak, was so much better because when I've been working from home, like it gets to five, it gets to five o'clock and then you stop work, but you're still sitting in the exact same spot. <laughs> you're still on your laptop and it feels like you haven't had that change. If that makes it a change of pace. So yesterday was probably the best day I've had in about two weeks. So, um, I'm hanging in there. How are you, Mark? Uh, good, yeah. School's switched to online. I think I got one more week of lectures. I'm acting from my bedroom in front of a webcam whilst people are going to the toilet, which is what every actor dreams of. Which is, great. is this the first um, time you've acted uh, on a webcam, or did you do that when you were younger? <laughs> I've never been a webcam actor yet, but it could be. Could, could, could be a line of work for Owen. Times, you know, it could be something that I have to switch to. It could be a webcam boy. Who knows? But for yeah. now, fun doing it in front of just a classroom of people rather than the whole internet. But, um, and how are you finding it? <laughs> enjoying it. It's it's great. You know, when people all mute their microphones and mute their video cameras, it's you really get that audience impact that you want. So I just feel like I'm doing it to myself, to an empty room, and maybe the dog that comes in every now again. It's it's different, but you know we're all adapting. Should we get on to our special guest this week? Yeah, let's have positive non. Enough of our ramble. Let's talk about the the main event this week, which is our special expat guest, Scott, a very very well travelled young man from Kent, England. 
Scott, oh, introduce yourself. I was wondering when I had to say hello. I've been sitting here <laughs> trying not to breathe or anything, <laughs> make any noise in the recording. <laughs> hello. Uh, Great to hear from you. You are one of our biggest hello. fans. Scott. Oh, I am your number one fan, I'd say. Yeah, up there. After myself. Well, yeah. The mothers and the girlfriends and roommates. Yeah, I'd say I'm at least top ten. Oh, top, yeah, top five. Scott. Oh, yeah, well, Owen, for you, obviously. In terms of, like, the time taken for a response to come in after we've dropped an episode, Scott's within the half hour. <laughs> yeah. Let me know how if it was good, bad. He's, he's a great, it he's a clearly great. shows I have a busy schedule ahead of me. Like... <laughs> <laughs> How 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 has done podcast wonders. Sorry, what was that, right? <laughs> I just said, how have you been doing then with this uh, jam-packed schedule? What uh, have you been up to? So I, I joke, but I've actually been busier now. I'm working from home than um, working normally. Um, hmm. Technically, I guess I work for an essential service as well. Maybe essential <laughs> to some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> And just for the for the listeners of the pod, by the way, uh, Scott works for uh, a well-known uh, active clothing company. So I don't know if that is counted as essential services, but it's certainly a popular brand of clothing probably... in uh, in Vancouver. That was a nice BBC answer there. Not naming any brand. We all like that. Tune into our podcast on BBC Sounds. You gotta you gotta get those markets. Yeah, um, but no, right? It's been a lot busier. A lot of people have a lot more free time on their hands. And that means they can contact me mm-hmm. and complain more. So I've actually been a lot busier working <laughs> from home um, than working in the office. And as you said, it's the same sort of thing. You finish your shift um, in your bedroom and then you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll sit in my bedroom for the rest of the night. So, yeah, it's good, though. It's good. It's nice. Yeah. Quarantine's over as well for me because I just popped back from the UK. So I actually finished that today and I went out for a walk in, in the world, which was how did you celebrate? I went for my walk, Mark. I just, I just said. <laughs> Where did you walk to? Well, I actually, I actually took a bus. I'm sorry, I lied a little bit. I know they've, um, they're not letting that many people on. It, it was a wild ride, and then I had a little wander around Granville Island, my, my favourite spot in the city. Nice. You really soaked in that outside. Quiet. There. It was very quiet. Yeah, um, popped into the market very empty they've removed all the seating and that as they have to do but no one's around which is quite sad yeah it's 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 a weird reality when you're kind of walking around the streets i was i went on a bike ride downtown vancouver yesterday just to clear my head love a bit of fresh air at the end of the day um especially at the moment and then yeah it was downtown and it was really cool it was kind of like completely empty streets i was bombing about on the main roads and free of any cars it was like kind of hanging around in a zombie apocalypse minus the zombies so no fear hanging the dream yeah, yeah. i mean apart from obviously the, the fear of getting <laughs> um i had to go to the uh, the bank downtown yesterday for work and it was insane like they were asking for my travel history and all that just to like go in and deposit checks and it was like so, i understand social distancing measures but it's, it's weird watching how different companies are reacting to it so you know the grocery stores are all open they just you know make you queue a bit and you know have a bit of spread out this was like one in one out it was like going to prison um just to go to the bank it was so bizarre yeah that is have you guys encountered anybody who's absolutely shirking these social distancing rules by the way like a no, road shopper really have you come haven't. across anybody like that I, 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 no no up against me in safeway a couple of days ago and I, I gave them 
one of the most aggressive looks I've given anyone in my life. <laughs> it was just a look of sheer disdain. Like it was, it was a look that said, "You could have killed me there, love," but it, it, without saying it, just the eyes. I'm, I'm definitely struggling to adjust to this thought process that everybody has the lurgy, which is how you should treat it. Really, 100. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. I, I do. I'm trying I to do have to say, smiling so I don't look evil in the supermarket. Just smiling at people. <laughs> You look very dis- yeah. You don't look evil, but you don't look great there, Mark. <laughs> I, I um, absolutely. I can't. I, I just every time I see a kid, I panic. They're like, they're they, they, they Why? Don't, they don't look. They're all asymptomatic. So like, kids are like little fucking time bombs. Just all of them, and you never know what a kid's gonna do. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, at normal adults minus this fucking li- crazy lady at Safeway. Normal adults won't badge into you. You know, there's nothing stopping a kid. Putting his hand on you as you walk past. Just, it's like... Well, one 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 thing I can say to that, Owen, like there is something that's stopping kids doing that for you, and that is the facial hair you're rocking at the moment. Um... <laughs> Don't forget the cycling outfit as well in tandem. <laughs> yeah, all... but listen, Owen's trying something new at the moment, and um, I'm not a fan. For social media sakes, I'll obviously have to now post a picture of the the uh, the tash I'm spotting. But I think we're all doing a bit of crazy stuff with our fish ledger and you know this COVID nonsense. Yeah, my hair's looking absolutely ridiculous, like thatched house, big time. And I've no I've no idea when it will come to an end. I'm going to have to continue rolling with the punches. I'm hating it. Have you thought about shaving it, Mark? I'm thinking about shaving mine. I'm considering it. If it becomes a look online, I might I might have to adopt it. I was going to go know, full there's, shave. There's pet trimmers here at my girlfriend's house. There's, there's pet trimmers, so I could could use the dog oh, trimmers. Please don't. <laughs> you would look proper weird without hair. <laughs> but I'm not having to be outside for a while, so. Yeah, it's Why true. I, it, it is weird, the fact that, like, when will my next haircut be? I've never this, is, <laughs> this is the real question. <laughs> Getting answered. <laughs> Should we, should we ask Scott a little bit about his, his expat life? Um, well, I want to know about yeah. Owen's haircuts, mate. Should we, should we delve into his expat life, which we <laughs> promised to do at the top of this episode? The funny, yeah, the funny thing is we tried our very best to try and, you know, pre-pod we were, and I don't, you know, don't want to take the listeners behind the curtain too much, but we all kind of discussed, like, let's not make it, you know, too much about COVID. It's impossible not to discuss <laughs> the fact we can't leave our houses right now, which, but... But we should try. You are right, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, then. Let's, let's get on to you. The main, the main focus of this pod. Um, so, yeah. Tell us about your expat history. Give us a rundown of the places you've been Mark. in your life so far. Because it's quite the it, it was quite the adventure. So, as you said, yeah, I grew up in Kent. Um, Dover, to be exactly. Um, which we all know is famous for White Cliffs and being voted number one worst town in Great Britain 2016. Oh, big stat! Um, yes, yeah, so I, I wanted to get out of there as quick as possible, as naturally you do when you're from Dover, or you live there forever. It's, it's there's no other choice, really. <laughs> there's no middle ground. <laughs> or until your house erodes into the sea. <laughs> yeah, we're all that much. <laughs> Mark's a big real that much. You can tell you're from a little landlocked <laughs> town. <laughs> These boys on the coast—they're just losing their houses all the time. <laughs> Once a year, right? Yeah, mate. <laughs> Tragic. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, basically, I picked up a job when I was 18, fresh out of um, school, uh, in an office, broking insurance. Um, this is a little hidden fact about me, and I hated it. Um, 
I've always had a little bit of a passion for like outdoor sports and stuff like that. So I actually got offered an apprenticeship in Norfolk. That's where my expat journey began. Um, three hours up the road. Oh, that's not in, good, in Norfolk. Moving to Norfolk. Uh, Ryan yeah. is the beginning of the story. All right. All right. <laughs> this was okay. in the period of time where Norfolk briefly separated <laughs> from the United Kingdom. You said you wanted the story. I'm bringing you the full story. All right. It was something about winter, man. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. uh, I picked up a, an apprenticeship and started working for outdoor companies in the UK. Um, met a few friends, decided that we wanted to go on a little outdoorsy road trip, um, somewhere exciting. So we booked one to the States. We did a little three-month um, trip, New York to LA. Uh, did like national parks, hiking, a um, lot of cities as well, actually. But coming back from that, I was like, oh, you don't have to live in England all your life. Um, and I picked up a job in France uh, just off a complete whim off the Internet. I'm usually really lucky with these things. I don't know how. I just Googled it. It came up. I applied. And the same day, they're like, yeah, we'll fly you out next week. Um, yeah. Same day. <laughs> um, you are one employable man. I just, I just can talk well, I think. If any future employers are listening, though, um, I will send you my CV. Don't <laughs> And great references. We're going to be posting Scott's resume yeah. on Instagram. Uh, please do. This episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I worked for a few months in France. Uh, I was kayak guiding, paddleboard guiding on uh, Lac Le Mans, if you know where that is, obviously. No. Uh, where is it? No. Uh, it's I don't know. in a town. I don't know how good my French pronunciation is going to be here. Um, Tonon Le Ban. Like, basically, it's Lake Geneva. It borders Switzerland and France. But I, I worked there for a, a hotel who basically people could go out kayaking or paddleboarding for a day with me, which is a dream. Um, nice. No, uh, it was a, so it was an English company. Do you know when you book like a package holiday in France, um, they'd go out and they'd have all these no. activities. No, neither do I, right, actually. I was just saying that to sound, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sound middle class. But <laughs> I went on a holiday to Yorkshire, so that was the extent of my life. Oh, that, 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 let's, let's just dial this back. Where did you go? Uh, York, Leeds. Um... Oh, they always Leeds. go to York. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My parents are never going to take me to Hull. Whoa. <laughs> we have one of the nicest estuaries uh, this side of... Uh... It is gross, to be fair. You never, you never been I've to not Hull been Port? to Hullport, no. Largest in Europe. It... Yeah. Well, next time I'm home... I'll think about going to Hull. There you go. Mark, so, Mark so we back, specifically back said no posh lads. <laughs> I just sound posh. I'm really not. Don't worry about it. Uh, back to France. Yeah, sorry. So I actually met a guy in France. I worked with him. And he told me he was going to work in the Middle East, in the United Arab Emirates. And they're still looking for staff. Um, so I applied. And then within a week, they were like, do you want to fly out next week? And I was like, oh, Okay. And yeah, I moved to a city called Fujera, which is, no one's heard of it. And it's about an hour east, east of Dubai, which we've all heard of Dubai, I hope. Well, how do you pronounce it, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dubai. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Dubai. Um, and I worked out there for a, a couple of years, actually, and um, doing outdoor ed as well. Um, what was quite fun is outdoor ed's not really a thing in um, the Middle East. Like, they don't understand why you'd want to go hike to the top of a mountain when you can drive up there. 
So that was a a funny experience of. <laughs> it, it was it was very different. It was well. Is the reason behind that because it's as hot as an oven in the in the desert? There is that is that why no one's wanting to kind of have a little nice like little waltz? The thing the is, you actually get used to it really quickly. So when I first moved out there, they sent us up to like we had a mountain campsite, and they're like, right, uh, we're putting you up in a four star hotel while you live here. But the first two weeks, you're going to live in this mountain campsite. Um, we're like, all right, cool. Uh, it's like 40 to 50 degrees each day, no air conditioning. And this is their way just to get us to acclimatize. And it was gross. Um, but like after the first week, you're strolling around in a hoodie at night and it's 30 degrees. And you're like, oh, it's a bit nippy out tonight, lads. Like getting a cup of tea on just to warm yourself up. So you get used to it real quickly. So what was it like? Uh, I have a quick question, uh, Scott, if you don't mind. What was it like kind of acclimatizing? Because I'm assuming like, you know, when you were back in England, you were kind of heavy on the sash and stuff. I've had <laughs> Dubai, obviously, with their drinking laws. There's none of that. So, you know, were, were you kind of, did you kind of, um, you know, meld quite easily into that type of vibe? Or are you, were you still drinking when you were over there? Like, oh, what's, I... the, what's that like for an English? Yeah, it is a struggle. Dubai? Um <laughs> I actually drank more, I think, in my first year in the Middle East than I probably had done in England for a while because there was nothing to do. So the UAE's <laughs> split into like seven emirates and each have got different like kings, yeah. uh, they're called sheikhs that run the place. And the one I lived in, uh, the guy was pretty chill and it was like, yeah, hotels can serve alcohol, but you can't drink on the street. You can't drink outside. You can go to this hotel, drink, leave and that. Um, so oh, okay. it was expensive, um, a lot more than like talking about like ten pounds for a pint of Fosters in some places, and uh, but you pay oh. it because there's nothing else to do in the evenings other than drive around or go shopping. Are you getting paid accordingly as well? Like a wage is higher over there for the for your average kind of as travel jobs go. I, I'm obviously not. You know, I know you were kind of doing. Um, you know, still kind of touring the, you know, the world and stuff. But as a kind of average travel job, was it fairly well paid? Like, kind of enough to be able to live fairly. It was. It was okay. Like all, so we got put up in the hotel. That was all covered. Um, and we had like a little food allowance as well covered. And then you had, I can't remember exactly, but like a reasonable wage. Nothing like wild. Like you weren't saving too much unless you really were saving. Um, like doing nothing, but. It was, like, it was enough to get by, um, but yeah, everything was covered anyway. And so, if you did go out, you would spend a fair whack. But there's nothing else you're really spending money on, so it wasn't wasn't the biggest of problems. So, Scott, you say the 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 area where you lived it had quite a lackadaisical shake, and you could get away with stuff. So, was it not as strict as what you hear in the press? You know, like no public displays of affection, none of this. Like, like Owen was referring to, like. Hard to get on the sesh. Were there other so it's, it's quite funny because when I went over, they sent us like this massive document of all these things you can't do, you can do. And I was reading it like, oh, what if I said like, there's cases where like you text your friend something rude over WhatsApp, the police will come and arrest you the next day for like swearing over WhatsApp or like insulting a leader over WhatsApp or anything like that. Um, you can get arrested for uh, taking pictures of people. You get told all this stuff. So the first like, month i was there i was terrified to do anything like but you get into it and you find out how it all works and the system and that um but we only ever hear like bad news in the press like from what they like to do is 
in Dubai especially. So Dubai's actually got a big wild side. Um, there's lots of teachers over there. Um, they go out all the time, loads of clubs and that in hotels. Um, they do like to arrest some random British guy once a year just to prove a point, I think. They'll be like, oh, yeah, British guy was super drunk in the streets. We'll nick him. But they can get away with it a lot of the time. Yeah, they're not going to write the the British people had a lovely time at bar. (laughs) (laughs) But as I suppose, as the type of kid who goes to York on holiday, your lawyer could take care of it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I had it covered, don't worry. So when you were when you were out there, Scott, like, was there a big expat scene or anything like that, um, or were you just the were you the token Brit? I wasn't the token Brit, um, fortunately. Uh, in in the city I worked in, uh, it was a very what's quite funny is I think something like eleven percent of the population of the Emirate were locals, so Emiratis, uh, oh, and wow, then the rest were made up by the majority was like. Filipino, Indian, Bangladeshi, uh, Pakistani, Nepalese was like the majority of people there. Uh, okay. And the, the expat community in Fujera, the city I lived in, was maybe 30. 30 people. Um, wow. you, you kind of knew every Westerner. Um, so I worked with like, there was probably, my first year I was out there, there was about eight there were 10 of us, all from the UK, who all worked together, all knew each other. And I played football out there, and I knew a couple of guys from that, and there's a couple of teachers. But you, you'd know everyone. Yeah. Um, Dubai itself. Did you like having Brits around? Did you, like, flock to them and hang out with them more? Because when I was living in China, I think, uh, I don't know, something about it. I, we tried to stay away from other expats. It was kind of like, no, nah, this is my street. I like this pastry store. No one else can go. Or maybe that was just me. But... Yeah, you paint yourself in a bad light there, Mark. <laughs> when there was a new expert on your yeah, couch, Mark, you like... racist Mark. <laughs> you were just walking around China, pissing everywhere, marking no. territory. Uh, this is my area. <laughs> no, I just mean, like, did you like hanging out with other foreigners in there, or did you like to keep yourself apart and integrate into so culture more, like? It's kind of hard to integrate in the Middle East because it's um, really divided. So mm-hmm. um, there's a very clear class system there. I don't know if me dissing it, someone's going to come and arrest me or something for this. So I've heard Shake listen to the pod, actually. Yeah, and thanks for yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who your listeners are. Um, there's a bit <laughs> of a class you. system. It's just me. Yeah, <laughs> not even going to listen to this one anyway. Uh, the guess was rubbish. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like you're kind of expected to hang out with your race, if that makes sense. So it's like, oh, all the white people kind of do their own thing. All the Emirati guys do their own things. All the like Asian people are doing their own thing on their own. Um, so it was quite hard to actually make friends because people would be like, oh, they won't want to hang out with me because of this and that. Uh, the only way I really did was by playing on the football team out there. And I had a, a great mix of friends from like all over, which was amazing. We had like African guys, uh, Indian guys, Emirati guys, a uh, few Americans, few Brits, um, who I didn't work with as well, which was a nice change of pace to like see their faces instead of the people I work and live with. 
um that's how like it was mm-hmm. the only way to make friends i know you've mentioned it quite a few times but sports is just the way to make friends with people abroad because um, otherwise it was yeah, yeah it was just too hard to work because people would just distance uh, themselves great great point yeah quick i've got a question for you scott this is something you've told me in the past that you said that in the summers you'd have to leave the uae and go back home because it was just too hot yeah how did you find how did you find the transition of going from expat to back home to then go expat again like flip-flopping around a bit like was it an easy transition going back home or did you get a bit like twiddling your thumbs and stuff like that um of sorts i when i went back the first time I wasn't too sure if I was going to go back out in the um, summer. So I came back in like, I think the summer kind of starts May. So I think I came back like April 30th. I flew back to England. And if I wanted to go back, it was September. So I had quite a good chunk back in the UK. um, And I didn't really decide what to do. And I just came back and I can't remember. I picked up like some really easy job at the, um, there's a bike park near where I live. And I just picked up a job there working in the shop um, mm-hmm. for the time being. And like after a month or so, I was like, oh, this is boring. I've got to go back like, and do something else and go back out and see the world and live and do something else. Because as fun as it was making coffee for people riding bikes, um, it was much more fun <laughs> than in the Middle East. The, the big change was the temperature thing, though. So leaving yeah. the Middle East in late april it was probably getting on to like 40 degrees um and so dover's not hitting them high getting back to dover and dover was like 20 um which is a nice day so everyone's out in like shorts and t-shirt having a barbecue in the garden there's me standing there in like joggers and a hoodie like shivering <laughs> like right lads yeah, yeah i'll be inside while you all hang out so yeah that was weird coming oh. back in the peak of british summer um down south which is an actual real summer um <laughs> it was just a bit of a weird change because it took me probably took me longer to acclimatize back to the colder weather i'll bet everyone was taking a mic like oh look at him wearing a hoodie because he thinks he's been in the middle east and all that like I yeah bet obviously ripped for oh, yeah, well, i'm glad as well actually yeah obviously. i get ripped i get ripped for turning up so it's fine regardless what i done um so how did you adjust temperature wise to to canada because this is the true north well the weather here is pretty similar isn't it to back home it just rains a lot which i'm very much used to dealing with rain so Mm -hmm. it didn't bother me too much stupidly though when i did move here i originally planned to pop home in september and pick up like my rain jacket um some like warmer layers i didn't do that so through this whole winter i had to layer up quite a lot and had a very thin raincoat so i spent a lot of it pretty damp um which was very unprepared of me Mm. Um, Did it take some time to adjust from like being in the Middle East to coming back to Western culture? Not, not really as such. Like there are a few things that you just forgot you can do, um, but you kind of you could yeah, basically, basically. That's that's what I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> just because growing up in the UK, I'm so used to knowing exactly what happens. As soon as I get back, you like kind of just switch back into UK mode. Even like coming back from from here, like when I was home a couple of weeks ago, instantly became really Southern Scott that doesn't exist in Canada. Um, you went to Nando's, so, didn't you? I didn't. I'm actually gutted. <laughs> Do you find yourself when you when you go back home and then you come, you hang out with your buddies, you feel like 
you're slipping out of the British you and like you know your accent might change a bit and the way you talk about things might change do you feel like you're losing your I, was, I was worried I tried so that. hard when I was talking to not slip up and say any like North American phrases of things because one I knew I'd just get completely ripped out of it for like the whole time I'm home and I still want to be British me at home but it was tricky like trying to not to and making sure I wasn't overdoing it with my accent and that like making sure I did sound like a normal me um <laughs> like instead of sounding even having to think about it yeah I find it really it? weird that as soon as I get home I've got to be like a slightly different version of me um not like I'm playing a whole new character at home uh but you're a sociopath is what you're saying there yeah I go home and I'm completely my name's not even Scott guys I lie to you (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been around the world (laughs) goes by Ian (laughs) um I've got I've got two questions for you Scott um so you've lived in France you've lived here in Canada you've lived in the UAE you've also traveled around Asia which we haven't touched on yet um what was the easiest place what was the best place kind of thing like what would you recommend out of them for and i thought we'll include dove as well out of the five uh, as in like my personal favorite place i've visited or lived in i lived actually actually lived like proper experience oh well both best place you visited best place you've lived oh wild um best place i lived uh i stayed on a little island in malaysia for like two months uh in the south china sea and that was just you found yourself, didn't you? Found myself, wrote some music, um, you know, <laughs> started my own poetry. Uh, it was it was just a wild experience. I, so I just lived on a little island with a few friends and that. I worked for a little company, but we had a lot of time off, and it was just crazy. Like I think the population was like two hundred people. Um, I could I lived on a little beach hut. I could go out in the sea every day, and it was just a weird experience that I probably won't experience again. Um, but that was probably the best. Did you... <laughs> I drank a fair oh, no. bit. Yeah. <laughs> there was, it was pirate rules. So you kind of just, <laughs> kind of just lived on you this island. The waters. <laughs> when there's nothing else to do, it seems. Uh, like there was loads to do there. What, what I don't get there, Scott, is you're saying that you, um, you did, you had a lot of free time and you could access the sea quite easily. How's that different to Dover? Oh, it was warm. Oh, that's fair. Yes, that's warm, <laughs> and P and O ferries weren't going across all the time. Um, yeah, <laughs> always helps. Yeah, and the beaches were sandy, not shingly. There weren't that many seagulls, from what I remember. Um, but yeah, that was probably the best place I've I've lived is on that little island. Uh, it was a jungle mountain, so I could go hiking. Uh, swimming kayaking all the time i wanted to which was was lush didn't really have an agenda didn't have to spend that much money it was it was great that sounds weird have you um oh sorry i, I just saying that sounds good no you don't what's your wildest expat story i'm just interested you've been all around the world and i was just wondering what's the most what's the wildest thing you've the wildest thing i've happened see this is why i I know it's quite vague, but I don't know, like a strange experience. I think you've told me something about a strange man in a hut. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that was that was a weird thing. Um... <laughs> that was when I went to Google. <laughs> um, <laughs> I 
strange man. Something he wasn't a strange man. He was strange a lovely man. man. He just Scott. couldn't really speak the language. Uh, this was when I was in uh, the UAE. So there's the UAE borders Oman, uh, which is a great country to visit as well. And I was hiking a route just on the border, basically. Now, the Middle East or the UAE doesn't give out maps to civilians, uh, especially not foreign civilians. So we were hiking from like Google Maps um, and like a written guide. And the guide was like, take the stairs to the right. By the tree, there's a lot of rubbish underneath it. Continue on your path. And we're like, right, this tree's covered in rubbish. Is this the right one? Like, there's a carrier bag eight steps to your left. Keep going. Um, so we did this hike <laughs> and we got completely lost. Um, accidentally crossed the border into Oman um, over the mountain path. And it started turning to like nightfall. And we we're like, oh, how are we going to get home? Um, but on top of the mountains up there, it's like luscious grass and stuff like that so they do all the farming so there's all these huts there but they all were abandoned until i think um so the call to prayer went out so the mosque went out and then um this fella came out of his house saw me yelled at me in arabic i spoke as much arabic as i could to him and he invited me over um he then gave me a baby goat to hold so i was standing there with a baby goat in his house it's getting to night time i'm like kind of want to make it off the mountain back to the car and drive home but okay i'll just hold this goat for a bit uh, <laughs> uh yeah, he was pretty chill pretty, then he was chill. like um i can't remember the words but he he said food and i was like yeah cool um so he made this massive like biryani for me and my two friends so we sat outside at sunset eating this biryani with these like three i think they were pakistani lads um and it was getting dark and we were like, well, we can't leave. So he offered us to stay in his little hut and he made these little beds for us. And then he whacks on his little TV and he puts the Prem on. I think it was like Brighton and Hove <laughs> against Wolves. So I sat on this mountain in Oman, illegally crossing the border, watching Brighton play um, Wolves, which was probably the weirdest experience of my life. And I think yeah, like 20... wild. <laughs> I left. That's a, that is a that fantastic is experience. I love that little kind of the the unplanned experiences that happened uh, when you uh, happen when you're traveling. Or yeah, it was it was actually thing. class. It was obviously a good story. Um, he, I, yeah, he just. I that think I've got a load of pictures from it as well of me just holding a goat, looking very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it's clear to see you're a, you're a seasoned vet in the expat world. But if if you were going to give one bit of advice to mm-hmm. Anybody thinking about starting their own expat journey? Oh, um, just make sure you know you want to do it. That's the thing. Like, people look at it and like, oh, this seems like a great idea. Go and do it. And then like a month later, they're in tears at the airport because nothing went their way. Just make sure you know what you want to do it and mm-hmm. be ready to, for everything to go wrong and end up on a mountain with a goat in your hands. Like, yeah, is that, is that, and I think that's, that's why you wanted to do it. Yeah, just, just sort of like roll with the punches, I guess. You never know where it's Enjoy the ride, go, exactly. Make sure you know you want to do it. Things will go wrong. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's very apt advice for the for the. There you go. The moral of the story. Right as well. yeah. All right, so... um. I guess moving on to our tried and trusted section, home and away. And uh, this week I thought we'd 
stick with adventure sports because that's very up your alley, isn't it, Scott? And you know, is there much of an adventure sports world back in England? And if so, how does it compare to the rest of the world? Like, what's it like doing your adventure sports job back? Well, that is, yeah, that's good. Um, Adventure sports in the UK is, I don't think it's pushed as much as one thing. Um, I don't think it's as popular. It's quite an, and well, in my group of friends, it's it's real popular because I've got lots of friends that really enjoy it. But like, during school time, uh, people found it weird that I enjoyed going camping and hiking and stuff like that. Like, why would you want to do that? That's weird. Um, whilst over here, if you don't go hiking and camping, you're weird. Uh, so definitely in Canada, it's a, a bigger bigger appeal, and everything's just bigger and better over here, and a bit more, a bit more wild. It feels like if you camp in the UK you're what like an hour away from a town if you camp here you could be days maybe not days but and there's bears so it's a bit and that's what you want isn't it risk that is definitely part of the thrill i I absolutely love camping in canada just because it it is nice to kind of shit yourself a bit in a tent thinking like i could be murdered (laughs) at any point by a massive bear it like it does give you a bit more. I mean, the lake. Couple of sheep. What's going to happen in the lake districts? Do you know what I mean? N- nothing. You 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 <laughs> might wake up soggy. And it's it's generally not the sheep attacking the people; it's the people attacking the sheep. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, that's cheap joke. Cheap joke. I mean, cheap joke. Yeah, that's dropped. Uh, Wales listenership bomb. Um, Ryan from <laughs> Abergavenny has just left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> the signal. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was back home in England, we had a little bit of an outdoor adventures group, <laughs> school, and I just remember it. <laughs> it's, it's just... I remember we had like a little module on my sports course, like outdoor adventures, and it was just like windsurfing at this lake that had no wind, and I just sit there in the freezing cold winter in England with my bloody wetsuit on and a crappy windsurf, just. Sat there while my sail filled up I, water, and I just, I just remember it not being so fun. Whereas here, you know, you've got jet skis and kayaks and everything, and yeah. actual sea. It's just much more. <laughs> up you there on depressing outdoor stories. I once, I once Go on. rubber dinghy down an overflowed <laughs> dike in East Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it absolutely is horrendous. Pretty bad back home in also, some places. Yeah, I remember my first exposure to kayaking. Was terrible having to practice a role in my local swimming <laughs> bath in my pajamas was not fun. It's not what I class as an outdoor adventure doing a role inside the swimming bath where I've been every week for school. Did you do, did you do the Duke of Edinburgh? Yeah, I did as well. How was that? I never oh, did yeah, it. I did love that. Duke of Edinburgh was class. You got to go hiking and camping with your mates for like a couple of days, which is just fun anyway. Um, which yeah it's it's good fun it's not done that much though i don't think many people really again that was one of those things i did and everyone at school was like well why do you want to do that and yeah i think it's it's just not what do you think yeah i think it's it's this is this chat is making. oh yeah i'm very excited for the summer (laughs) i think uh i think in terms of hiking and stuff as well what we consider a big mountain in the UK is is nothing compared to a Canadian. I remember talking to my girlfriend. She went to Scotland and went through the Highlands there, and people were like, look at that giant mountain. She's like, nothing special, really, compared to what we've got. 
sort of thing. So I think when we did, I think I did the big flex, big flex in the UK. Big flex. What was your time, Mark? Edinburgh Awards as well. Might as well get that in there. Um, but you know, <laughs> oh, I did it in twenty-three hours. <laughs> but all right, not not my time. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Big <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're the outdoor adventurer, and, and I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like <laughs> you should have a massive mountain. Yeah. I, I did yeah, bronze. Me and Phil aren't bronze that bronze close. Got. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, How are you going to win in that, um... that conversation? Now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, um anybody else? Well, I, I, I must admit, I, you two stories? have, were, have kind of shattered England a little bit, but I didn't do it enough. But we had a school trip where it was like a week in Yorkshire. Um, you made we, fun of me, <laughs> and we actually, we actually, we actually, we actually yeah, we had a school trip, and it was literally like this. a thirty-minute drive away from our school. Um. <laughs> And I think I think it's like the most expensive one because like the insurance, but like we did like uh, gorge walking, and a bit of hiking, and, that, and I absolutely loved it. Gorge walking was one of the best days I've ever had. Yeah, like the, the, I think the thing is, you're, you're always it's it's definitely a situation where the grass is always greener, right? Because as much as Canada is vast and beautiful and everything's you know ginormous, you know when I go back to England, there is something incredibly special about just like that flat, beautiful Yorkshire countryside. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's a grass is always greener situation. There's obviously plenty of amazing outdoorsy stuff. I think when you're younger in England growing up, you probably take, you know, the fact that that's all really outside your, you know, outside your garden kind of for granted. Because, you know, it's certainly in Canada, I think the accessibility, you know, in England, most people live, you know, within 20, 25 minutes of, of countryside where I think in certain places in Canada, it probably takes a bit longer yeah, to definitely. get to the mountains. I, 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 right? I think it's, a, again, it's, it's a growing up thing as well, though, because, like, we all grew up basically playing sport and playing video games. Apologies if I'm speaking out of turn. I know I certainly did. I imagine you two were the, you three were the same. Then you come here and you're meeting, like, you know, kids, well, people that grew up here. So you know, I'm not meeting kids, just want to clarify for the record. I'm absolutely not meeting kids. They won't. <laughs> Neither's Owen right now with his tash, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah I'm taking the heat um, off the salt. But yeah, just, just right things now. like mountain biking and especially um, in Vancouver, like being by the sea and all that, like you, you kids will paddleboard and kayak and all that. It's part of their growing up. It's like part of their stuff during the weekend. Whereas for me, it was, you know, jumpers for goalposts on an army camp. So I think my growing up was very different, which then makes it yeah. look a bit weird when I'm in retrospect. Where I think England is still very, very good. I think we take it for granted when we're there. For sure. Yeah. We protect our, our wildlife as well. Like, you know, there's the green belts and everything. For quite a small landmass, there's still a lot of nature and stuff to go out and enjoy, isn't there? I think, Which, you know, we should be grateful for. I think, Rai, you probably banged the nail on the head as well with, like, the, it's the age as well. Like, when I was a young lad, like, you know, I, I could go outside my house, I'd take my ball or whatever up the road, I'd go to, like, little kind of local forests and that. But, like, you know, I wasn't in a position where I could put a, a bike on the back of a car and, and kind of drive to, you know, the lakes or whatever with a few parts. So I think now as an adult or experiencing the outdoorsiness, I think if I was back in England, I'd probably be equally as outdoorsy just uh you know i'd have the means to be able to go so what, what know, about you scott what's it like teach like you know you've taught kayaking all around the world and all that 
what, what's the difference in terms of like yeah, your yeah. customers? Like, are, are British people easier to teach? Uh, I so I worked mainly with schools in the UK um, on these little. So the first like few years, I worked with schools that did like the year six group trip, the year seven group trip, where they'd come and try out all the sports, and like half of them didn't want to be there. The schools would do it in the winter because it was cheaper, so it'd be like snowy. Um, people weren't really enjoying it. Uh, and you're doing it in like a tiny little dug up pond, basically. You're teaching people how to kayak. Um, whereas like when I was teaching people how to kayak out in the Middle East, um, I'm taking people out and it's like a nature reserve. So there's like all these birds flying around, turtles popping up. Uh, same with Malaysia. I'm out in like the ocean um, and there's like, it's just beautiful, clear waters, sandy beaches, and people just want to be there having fun because it's a nice area and it's just picturesque. Like when I go out in um, False Creek or down at Kitts, well, I've taken you out at Kitts, Ryan. It's just, you have, yeah, you are a great teacher, yeah. to be fair. You have taken me out a few times. Um, it's just, yeah, it looks so much nicer than being in a little ditch in the UK <laughs> paddling around um, in the freezing cold, which I think really puts it off for a lot of people because they'll have that one experience where they're cold, they're wet, they're shivering and they're trying to learn a new sport. It just doesn't go in. I remember the first time I went kayaking, it was cold, it was wet, and I hated every minute of it. So that's the way it's being like presented to people is probably the biggest problem of why people aren't getting into it as much in the UK. Like You really have to push to enjoy it. What a U-turn you've done, eh? What a U-turn. I know, right? From hating to loving. <laughs> what a well-travelled young man. All the way from Kent <laughs> to Norfolk. And then to Dubai, to France, to to Canada. You're just a very well-traveled... To the pod. To the pod. It's a joy listening to your tales. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I think I would uh, I would just briefly speak for all of us when I say I think we'd definitely like to have Scott back on when we're in person again. And, and you know... Able and to, I don't uh, like the, speaking on my behalf there, Owen, so uh, I, I want to say that's, that's not for me. So me and Owen already have like a hundred plans, obviously, for the next eight weeks made up. <laughs> we'll only do it's two of them. But... It's all booked in, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 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 hundred percent. But uh, it was fantastic. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on, lads. It'd be great to actually see all of you soon as well. Yeah, we need to actually sort that out, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And, and not to jump on uh, at, at your outro, Mark. I'm sure you have a... Explorers! In case anybody really. Was... You can crack on as much as you want, <laughs> Just mate, to... to yeah, yeah, sorry. Scott wants the Explorers section, but uh, some uh, some enemy of the pod uh, negged it a bit too hard, Scott, so it got taken out temporarily. But it might be making a comeback during these, uh, these t- tumultuous times. Uh, but I will just say to close out the pod, please jump on Apple... Um, podcasts or any podcasting app and give us a five-star review if you like the pod. If you don't, you know what your mum always used to say, you know, if you haven't got anything nice to say, just so, yeah, fantastic. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, uh, well, listeners, and uh, on to you, Matt, because I feel really uncomfortable doing that. Well, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head there with the Apple podcast thing there, Owen. Please give us a five-star review, and if you're knocking around the social media scape in these days when we've got a lot of time on our hands, give us a follow. Go on Instagram, tap yeah. that follow button, or Facebook, like our page. Do what you want. If you're yeah, well, special, you know, send us an email. 
thegreatescapepod at outlook.com. We've got a very nice email with us. So, you know, we love hearing from you, listeners. And just keep doing the great stuff that you're doing by pressing play on this podcast. We love every Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Like I say, just keep, yeah, keep keep writing in. We've had some we've had some nice tales of people that we're looking to like compile together for like a little special thing. So thanks for those that have emailed in and hopefully we'll get some more. And uh, yeah, just thank you again, Scott would be my, my main thing to say. Oh, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> that's like the nicest thing I've ever said to you. All right, well. I know, that's why I'm glad it's recorded. <laughs> I can play Delete that. Mark. Cut it. Hard edit. <laughs> <laughs> our podcast follow us on social media I've got nothing lads anyone want to brew <laughs>